Welcome to Let's Talk Micro. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Micro. As always, I hope you had a great week. You can always find Let's Talk Micro on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, Pandora, TuneIn Radio, Good Pods. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find Let's Talk Micro. As for our social media, I am on Instagram as Let's Talk Micro, no apostrophe, on Twitter as Let's Talk Micro 1, on TikTok as Let's Talk Micro, and on LinkedIn as Luis Plaza. So go ahead and follow Let's Talk Micro on social media. Leave any comments, any feedback, any possible podcast topic suggestions. And if you listen to an episode, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast, of course. And if you listen to an episode and you like it, go ahead and leave a review if it's possible on the platform that you are using. For example, Apple Podcasts, you know, you are able to leave a review. I think, you know, Spotify, you can rate them. If you use any other platform, it at least, you know, if it lets you rate it or leave a review, go ahead and do so. It is always very helpful for the podcast. And of course, any feedback is always welcome and appreciated. And if you haven't checked out their previous episode, go ahead and do so. It was a conversation with Callum. He's an infectious disease doctor from the UK, the United Kingdom. And he's also the co-host of a podcast that when you spell it and you pronounce it, it says idiots. But it is actually, you know, it is spelled ID colon IOTS which stands for Infectious Disease Insights of Two Specialists. So if you get a chance to check out their podcast, go ahead and do so. I put the link on that episode so you can go ahead and check it out. Those of you that work in microbiology, you definitely know about infectious disease doctors, right? We get those requests about either holding cultures longer, about um, a specific antibiotics, and we maybe don't see them as often. So it is definitely good to connect with someone and, and know what happens with the results, right? That the results that we, as medical laboratory scientists or biomedical scientists, as they are called in the UK, the results that we put up there. Do you know how the patient is treated? What kind of antimicrobials? You know, what's the choice they use? You know, how do they affect the patient? How do they work? So their podcast, you know, they also talk about the organisms, kind of like I do. But they also provide their, their infectious disease, you know, physician view and knowledge about treatment options and, and, and how do the antimicrobials work. So it's definitely, like I said, you know, it's, it's a great podcast. And just like Let's Talk Micro, their goal is to, you know, put information out there and to educate people in a responsible manner. So definitely I had a great time chatting with Callum. I didn't get a chance to um, talk to Jane, which is the other host. But then, you know, they extended an invitation to their podcast, which I accepted. I am looking forward to it. So if you get a chance, go ahead and check out the previous episode. So on today's episode, we are actually stepping aside from uh, clinical microbiology. And we are talking a little bit about marine microbiology. One of the goals of Let's Talk Micro is also to provide information on what can you do in microbiology. Definitely, you know, clinical microbiology is a huge part of what you can do but there are many other areas with great importance in the work. So for marine microbiology, as far as information, how to get the degree, what do you do? I brought a guest and her name is Dr. Jeanette Davis, and she's also known as Dr. Ocean. So Dr. Davis is a marine microbiologist. She's an ocean policy advisor, and she's also a published book author. 
And in this episode, you know, she talks about how do you become a marine microbiologist, you know, as far as education, what do you do with this degree? You know, what, what kind of work can you perform? So she goes over that and she also talks about her books and what she hopes to achieve with, you know, with her books. Overall, it was a great conversation. Definitely, it was great for me to learn more about another side of microbiology, you know, stepping out of my comfort zone of what I know and learning, and at the same time, providing that information to you listeners out there. If you are interested in a career in marine microbiology, now you have a little bit more information. So definitely, uh, on the show notes, I will put Dr. Davis's uh, website so you can check it out. And a cool fact that I actually didn't talk to her about in the interview, but it was that Dr. Davis was consulted on the Black Panther 2 movie. How cool is that? So definitely let's go ahead and check this episode and learn about marine microbiology. So the listeners out there, you know that I, my, I focus heavily in my podcast about um, clinical microbiology, but I also like to bring the audience you know, guess and more information about other areas outside of clinical microbiology. This is a huge field. So with me today, I have a special guest. So she is a marine microbiologist, also known as Dr. Ocean. Her name is Dr. Jeanette Davis. Dr. Davis, welcome to Let's Talk Micro. Hi, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here and talk about microbes. <laughs> Thank you. It's definitely my pleasure. Um, so just for the for the listeners out there, let's go ahead and start with an introduction. Sure. Um, so again, my name is Dr. Jeanette Davis, also known as Dr. Ocean, and I'm a marine microbiologist. So I always say, what does that mean? Um, that means I study the things in the ocean that you can't see without a microscope. But obviously, as a modern day marine microbiologist, I don't carry around a microscope to study the things in the sea. Um, so what I actually do is study organisms at the molecular level, like DNA, RNA. I often compare myself to uh, crime scene investigations or CSI. So similar to a detective going on a crime scene where they hope to find the DNA that a suspect has left behind. I do the same thing in the ocean environment where I collect the water sample and looking at the DNA that was left behind in the ocean. And that's how I identify the organisms that I work with. So in a nutshell, um, that's who I am as a marine microbiologist. I also do ocean policy. So I use my knowledge to um, try to you know, uh, advise my leadership at my agency as well as members of Congress on the best way of uh, utilizing the ocean and its, and its resources while also preserving and, con and conserving the animals and the ocean overall. And then lastly, I am a children's science book author where I try to make science more accessible for uh, children. So definitely, you definitely stay busy. Yes. And, <laughs> and we'll go ahead and talk about the, the books and more about what you do in a second. So if someone decides to become a marine microbiologist, so as far as, you know, your studies, is that like a, a PhD or do you get like a PhD in microbiology with a concentration of marine microbiology? How does that work? Yeah, that's an excellent question. Um, and to be fair, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm called a marine biologist, which I totally accept and embrace. Um, 
But I started saying more marine microbiology, one, because it's what I do, but to distinguish like kind of the perception around being a marine biologist and, you know, only kind of working with the charismatic uh, fauna or whatever of the sea, so to speak. Um, but the way that I got into this field, honestly, I you know, never really thought about being a marine biologist. And it's interesting because I meet a lot of people who say, I wanted to be a marine biologist who are not marine biologists. And for people who are in the field, we kind of stumbled upon it because we love science. And that's essentially what happened to me. I went to undergrad at Hampton University that had a marine science department. I fell in love because I learned to study the ocean is to study a variety of sciences, which I love science. Um, and when I was studying in undergrad, so I got my bachelor's there, I really was interested in um, medicines at the time because I thought I was going to go, you know, do this degree in, in, in science and then go to medical school. Not that I wanted to be a medical doctor, but I just thought, you know, you love science, that's what you do. But I was kind of interested in this concept of medicine and I did this internship where I learned that much of the um, drugs or medicines that we use, the precursors for those chemicals come from nature, particularly the marine environment. And so I learned about this concept of, you know, obtaining drugs from the sea. And I met a guy who gave this great presentation, later interned with him, and then became his PhD student. Um, and so I specialize in using my knowledge to, you know, look at organisms that produce these interesting compounds that we can use for medicines. But what we know in the field is that most of the time it's not necessarily the organisms, it's the bacteria or the microbes associated with them. So that's kind of how I got into the field. But for those who want to get into this field, you know, um, you can do general microbiology for, for sure. As you said in your introduction, you talk about microbiology a lot, but there's, you know, other aspects to it as opposed to just clinical microbiology. So for those who are interested in microbiology and you want to apply it to the marine side, that is totally um, fine and acceptable. I, I now use my you know, degree, I, I no longer really work in drug discovery, but I work more on big picture ocean resources and I'm able to use my skill set as a microbiologist and I've applied it to sea turtles, I've applied it to cetaceans, I've applied it to uh, um, uh, non-native species, right? And so, you know, you could have the basic microbiology skills and apply it to other organisms. Because again, microbiologists essentially looks at things at the molecular level and living things have DNA, RNA, protein. So um, you can do general microbiology and get into marine microbiology, or you could pursue <laughs> marine microbiology, right? So, or even molecular biology is another way of looking at it that way. So that's how I got into the field. But you're, you know, you're not limited if you pursue a sole degree of microbiology to then apply that to the marine or ocean environment. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. It's definitely microbiology. It's a huge field. And, and you mentioned, you know, the DNA level and molecular, it's definitely a, a field that's growing so much. And, and even on my side in clinical micro, it plays a huge part nowadays. So definitely from identification, testing, yeah. it's just, it's, it, it plays a big part. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So I know that. So those were my questions about, I was going to ask about, uh, you know, what led you to pursue studies and that, you know, kind of you answer that. Um, and what, 
what a marine microbiologist do? Besides what you mentioned, is there anything else they can work on? Yeah. So again, um, as I said before, I've, I've kind of applied uh, the, the work that I've done to, you know, I'm going to give an example of um, non-native species or what we call invasive species in the ocean environment. Well, they, they can also be in the land environment too, but, you know, it's a big ecological uh, problem, these, you know, invasive or non-native species and essentially they are species that are not indigenous to an area that are introduced. Um, sometimes they can be introduced through natural disasters like you know, hurricanes and things get displaced. Um, they can also be introduced through like ballast water, um, you know, all of these different ways in which things can be introduced into the ocean environment. And if they are able to um, go to an area where they thrive, they can sometimes disrupt the natural ecosystem there. Um, and they can compete with other native species. They can um, prey on other native species. They could you know, alter habitat that are important for native species. So there's a lot of things that it, they can do to alter the environment, which can alter, alter you know, web food dynamics, our actual seafood con consumption and depletion to the, the species that we, you know, consume. So essentially I'm saying this because they often cost billions of dollars each year in damage in the U.S. alone. And so they're a huge problem. And one of the ways that we try to prevent this from happening um, is actually going, the way that we try to kind of monitor this or make sure it doesn't happen is actually prevention. And one way of prevention is early detection. And with an EDN, using techniques like environmental DNA, also called eDNA, going back to that CSI concept where you're able to take a water sample and look at the DNA that's present even if the organism is not there, that's something that we're now applying to invasive species management where even though I'm a marine microbiologist, I can take a water sample and say, is a non-native species uh, detected already in the water sample before we can physically see it, before it becomes an, ab an abundance and populates that region. Um, so, you know, that's just another way you can take this deal and apply it to not only science, but also have it in, in form management decisions as well. So, um, yeah, yeah I, again, invasive species, fisheries management, and obviously I'm saying all the things that are, that I've done, um, but that's another one, you know, how many fish are in the sea. You can also look at DNA as a proxy for relative abundance of what's present. Um, so yeah, these are, these are some ways that you can, that you can take the basic microbiology and apply it to the ocean. Um, but yeah, also when I think about climate change, which a lot of it, um, has to do with the ocean and the ocean and atmosphere working together and the ocean being a sink for carbon and all of these things. Like I've been able to work on those issues too because a lot of the microbes in the ocean generate gases that go into the environment and some of them take up gases that are in the environment, right? And as a microbiologist, I can help monitor a lot of those things. So microbiology even fits into the larger picture goals and management decisions such as climate change. So there's a range of things that it can be applied to in the in the ocean environment. Wow. Yes, definitely. That's yeah. Yeah. 
you always, you know, it never stops to amaze me how how huge this field is and how much it can be done and and and, and it yes and you continue learning and for me that like I say you know I focus mostly on on clinical micro and as I continue pursuing studies and you know and learning and basically like most organisms they're not even culturable in lab a fact like that it's just like they're there's so what there's so many so it's just it's mind-blowing in a sense you know about all these organisms yeah i think that's also just staying with your point about it's not culturable in the lab going back to the csi concept that's why scientists are now moving towards what are the other ways that we can detect and identify uh, microbes without seeing them because we do know that most of the time what we see um in the environment is not culturable in a laboratory setting, right? The environment is way more creative and brilliant than the human mind and has ways of creating environments that are just nearly impossible to create in a laboratory setting. Um, so yeah, within microbiology, a lot of people are moving towards sequencing, right? Like the ability to look at the DNA or the RNA or the protein and look at that coding for an organism that you can't grow in a lab to better understand what it is or to manipulate it. So that's a really great point. And it, it's nice to see technology advancing where we can capture what's available without ever being able to grow it in a laboratory setting. Yes. Um, so besides, you know, your work and in, in, you know, in microbiology, so I have seen you're also a published author, right? You have published some books. Uh, can you talk more about that? Yes, yeah, sure. I'm really excited about um, my books, my children's science books. Um, I, again, grew up loving science. Um, but as a woman of color, I did not see a lot of people in the field who look like me. And to be perfectly honest, I just didn't see scientists generally. But when I did, they were typically white men in lab coats. And so just having that image for a lot of people, it seems unobtainable, right? And so what I wanted to create with these children's science books was one, simply introduce science to young people in a way that is fun and exciting. Um, I love science growing up, but I was I also had a very narrow understanding of what science was because we tend to think about science in terms of um, being in a lab or in objects. And when I was doing my research, you know, in children's literature, there were great books around children for children for science, but they, you know, uh, centered objects and other things, but they didn't center the people, the actual scientists, right? Um, and so I wanted to create a new image of what it looks like to be a scientist in a very diverse way. But also I wanted children to identify with the everyday science around them. So if you're a child who likes animals and you go to the zoo, well, you get to be a zoologist, but there are no books that say zoologist, right? And you know, if you are a child who loves the ocean, then you get to be an oceanographer or a marine biologist, right? And these are concepts that we don't introduce until later on when we know that young people are like sponges and they soak up a lot of information. Or if you're a child who was like me, love playing with plants outside, then you get to be a botanist. But I was never told that you could be a botanist, right? And so 
my children's books give young readers the actual words of science even though they do these things every day so they can know how science is all around them. And the first book is called Science is Everywhere and Science is for Everyone. Um, and then, you know, I focus on over 10 different sciences in that book, everything from, you know, zoology, microbiology, obviously is there. <laughs> um, chemistry and chemistry is as simple as baking cookies with your parents, right? And so I explain it in that, in that simple way or, geology, right? The, you know, the formation of the earth and rocks and things that kids in, encounter all the time, but don't know that like you picking up a rock is a form of geology. Like this rock has a story on the planet. Um, and so again, the, the books really seek to explore science in a simplistic way that children can understand, but also in a diverse way where everyone feels welcome. Um, and then my second book, exclusively focuses on oceanography that's called Jada's Journey Under the Sea. Um, and, you know, I, I wanted a narrative where young people can see themselves in the ocean and they don't have to be mermaids to do so. Um, no offense against mermaids. I love the, how mermaids are used. Um, but, you know, I wanted them to, to have on, you know, a scuba set and explore what's in the ocean and also uh, talk about ways in which young people can be involved in protecting and preserving the ocean. Um, so yeah, those are my children's books, Science is Everywhere, Science is for Everyone, and Jada's Journey Under the Sea, and there's so much more to come. Wow, that is amazing. And I, I like what you say. Yeah, I mean, generally growing up, yeah, there, there doesn't tend to be a lot of awareness about things that we can do. You know, it's, it tends to be a lot of generals like, um, in the sense, yeah, oh, science world, doctor, or nurse, or working in a lab, or even my profession. Like I like to talk about this in the in the podcast that we just, I you know, you found about it when you're in college, and sometimes you know by by accident. So it's de it's definitely great that they're learning about this at a young age, especially and once they start growing up and thinking, okay, this is what I want to do, and it has a name, and find out how to pursue it and how to do it. So. Um, definitely thank you for that. And I tell, you know, I've always, I'm always a fan of people that they use their, you know, their knowledge, their position to promote awareness about their profession. And so thank you for your work, Dr. Davis. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, so is there anything else that you want to add? Um, I guess I would just add that, you know, and I said this before, um, science is everywhere. Science is for everyone. I am a uh, a big advocate of um, diversifying the field of science generally. And when I talk about diversity, it's not limited to ethnicity or race or age or gender. It's expertise, it's perspective, it's um, the traditional way that we pursue science, but it's also the non-traditional ways in which we pursue science. It's, you know, um, and, and it's a cultural aspect, it's a social aspect. And so, you know, I'm just a firm believer is that as we move forward to try to solve global crises like climate change, which microbes play a huge role in, um, that it's gonna take a lot of people on board um, from microbiologists to um, the social scientists to chemists to climate change scientists to artists who can 
you know, help us visualize this work and excite people. It's the people who are able to effectively communicate. It's the people in policy. Um, it's the people at home who vote the right people in place to do the legislation for it. So everyone plays a role in science, whether you're a microbiologist or not. Um, and so I think that that would be, you know, my ending statement. Again, science is everywhere. Science is for everyone. And um, I just hope that more people feel comfortable getting involved in science, regardless of what degree you may or may not hold. Oh, that was that was great. Yes. And I like that. Science is everywhere. Science is for everyone. I think it's still getting an ending. Um, you know, nowadays with a lot of, of social media, like other people as well, they're definitely using the, the, that medium to promote science. So you're finding a lot of information out anywhere from. You know, like you have like PhD students documenting their journeys on social media. So you see them before we had no idea. Yes. I mean, if you didn't do a PhD, you had little understanding of how it was. You know, you think about PhD, you're thinking of some like a cartoon, some scientists, you know, with the robe, the goggles. So, yes. <laughs> so it's definitely great to see yes. all this information and, and learn a lot. Um, do you have any? So do you have a website that you want to tell the audience? I do. I do have a website. It's um, drjeanettedavis.com. Um, and it's D-R-J-E-A-N-E-T-T-E-D-A-V-I-S.com. So that's drjeanettedavis.com. Um, as I mentioned, I'm also known as Dr. Ocean. Uh, so you can also follow me on Twitter at drocean24 or on Instagram at dr underscore ocean24. Um, or you can just Google uh, Jeanette Davis or Dr. Ocean, it, it will come up. So <laughs> you can follow me there and find out more um, on my website. Okay, yes, definitely. And I will go ahead and make sure that I include that on the show notes for the listeners. So when you're listening to this episode, look at the show notes and you can find the website. Well, Dr. Davis, you know, it's been a pleasure and thank you for taking the time to come into Let's Talk Micro. Thank you so much for having me. All right. My pleasure. And that, my dear audience, it's the end of this episode. I hope you enjoy learning about marine microbiology. As always, I enjoy bringing this information to you. How cool is that, right? That... With your work, you get consulted on such a huge film as Black Panther 2. I mean, you have to admit, that's pretty cool. And you definitely got to learn something about marine microbiology, which is different from clinical microbiology. You know, as always, continue bringing that passion to what you do. It's so important, right? If you love what you do and you bring that passion, it's not work, right? You do your best. And then the patients will benefit from that. Please go ahead and enjoy the holidays. Enjoy your time off with family. Spend it with friends, family. Take some time off and recharge. This is the last episode of 2022 for Let's Talk Micro. And Let's Talk Micro will return in 2023 in January. So don't worry. You'll continue to get episodes. We're just taking a little break. So definitely... Thank you for the support. Thank you for the reviews. Thank you for listening. All of you, you are amazing. So, stay motivated. 
stay safe. And of course, continue talking micro. Until the next time. Bye.